Have you ever wondered what it actually takes to become a TikTok star? Or maybe what it's like to be in a famous family and record on TV and people knowing your name all around, maybe the States, the entire country, the entire world, who knows, but have you ever wondered what it's like to be a TV celebrity? Well, today we're talking to Sandra Jennings, who is a TikToker, future marketing mogul, and celebrity in his own right, and hopefully he'll be able to answer those questions for us all. So let's go, everybody. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Welcome back, everybody, to the Pretty Sure Podcast. I'm so excited. This is the first episode I'm recording after the one-year anniversary. So I'm very excited to bring in this new chapter, this new year, and have amazing, epic guests, which if, if you follow me on Instagram, you might know I am obsessed with Clubhouse. And today's guest I actually met in a Clubhouse room where I was in by pure accident, found out you know his story, really was vibing with everything that he was doing. He's an activist. He's done a lot of things. And since I don't watch TV, I don't watch cable TV because in Paris, it, you can only get it in front. And I don't like that. I just asked and I was like, oh my God, we want to come on my show. And then when I was, this is a funny story for you, Sandra, when I was showing my mom who you are, she's like oh my god he's jazz's brother and i'm like wait who's jazz like do you watch tv mom and she's like yeah oh my god she has a show she's amazing like you should check her out and then i was like okay i feel so stupid for not knowing that but i think that makes me a little bit more authentic because i wasn't contacting you for her or anything like that i just contacted you because i like the vibes but with that i want to introduce you to everybody sorry this is sander jennings Sander, welcome, and I would love it if you could start us off with your story in a nutshell before we dive deep. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So my story in a nutshell is before I was born, my parents were told there was less than an 80% chance that both me and my twin brother, Griffin, would survive the pregnancy. We had twin-to-twin transfusion, and with a miracle, we both survived. So fast forward a couple of years, we're healthy, happy boys. In high school, I was super involved. I was a three-sport athlete. I was a part of a bunch of clubs, and I thought I would be potentially a college football player. Tore my ACL senior year, and from there, I decided I'm going to pursue my academic dreams. Meanwhile, I was also on a reality TV show on TLC called I Am Jazz, where my family proudly supports my sister of trans experience, Jazz Jennings. So fast forward to today, I have just graduated with my master's from my dream school, the University of Florida, also graduated with my bachelor's degree and continue to be an advocate and ally for the entire LGBTQ plus community on social media and on the TV show. I'm just all about spreading unconditional love and positivity. And that's what I've learned throughout my life. And so that's kind of my story in a nutshell and where I am today. I love that. And I have so many questions. My first one is not going to be anything deep, but it is going to be about your experience as a twin, because I have not met a lot of twins in my life. I've had a couple of twin friends and I've just thought, you know, that whole relationship is really interesting. The whole dynamic is really interesting. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? I'm super curious to know. Yeah. Being a twin has been awesome. I love my twin brother. He is my best friend. He's my brother. We are roommates. Growing up, we definitely were kind of pushed in as one person. It's like, oh, we got to invite both the twins. The twins are in this together. But as we've gotten older, and especially in the last one, two years, we've really started to separate. But the thing that we say to each other is there's not a day that goes by that we do not cross each other's mind. Because back in the day, we were together every single day. Up until we were probably 21 years old. I think we spent- Almost every day, we'd at least 
see each other once or talk to each other. And sometimes now we don't see each other for months. And it's definitely different, but it's also amazing because we're both stepping into our own shoes and doing our own thing. The twin dynamic has been awesome. It's cool to have a best friend. Also, even cooler to watch us both kind of go on our separate journeys. But no, at the end of the day, we'll probably be working together on something. And we will come together because we are each other's best teammates. Oh my God, I love that. That is so sweet. You're making me so jealous because I don't actually have siblings. And I've always, for some reason, dreamed of having a twin sibling or something. But into that... Did you ever find it weird? And I know this might be a weird question, but did you ever find it weird to just have someone look exactly like you or very, very similar to you in all that situation? Or like, was it normal to you? Like, how how do you react to that? Yeah, being a twin was not very weird. I mean, the weirdest part was being grouped together and treated as one person when we wanted our individual space. And the weirdest part now is that, hey, we were so close and now we're not. But in terms of looks... We don't think we look that much alike. We definitely have some differences. Uh, getting called someone else's name, it was like, okay, when that happens, it's fun. I play a joke on them. Yeah, I'm Griffin for a second. So it was never really weird or anything like that. We kind of rolled with it and we loved having each other as best friends. I love that. And you're talking a lot about, you know, how you had to separate to kind of like each other, find your own identity. Did you ever find it hard to find out who exactly Sander was or did you always kind of know who you were or was the whole dynamic kind of like not hindering you, but making you want to try to figure out who you were? Like, how is that whole thing for you now that you've had it? In terms of the twin dynamic or in general, just finding myself? Both. Half, half. I'm going to read an Instagram caption. I actually wrote for an Instagram post and I think it might answer your question pretty good. Let me pull it up. So the post reads... It says, it's a picture of me pointing towards, there's light coming through, so it's a cool picture. So I put my hand up and took a picture. I actually used a timer, selfie timer for it. And then the post reads, your light will be too bright for some people. That's not your problem. For a very long time, I held back my passions. I saw a light but allowed the opinions of others to turn that light into darkness. The moment I finally stopped caring what others thought about me and learned to love myself was when I truly began to feel empowered. And then I'd say, I did it. So can you be proud to be you? And I promise you can bring light into the life of so many people. So from that, no, I was not always as empowered as I am today. It took me a lot. And I feel like it takes everyone a lot. If you know who you are right off the get-go, that's great. But you're going to learn more about yourself as well. And for me, yes, I've always known a lot of things about myself. I know that I love competition. I've always known that I like helping people. But you find different passions. And so for me, I had these passions But until I was able to actually enact and act on them, I never felt like I was living my passions. So it wasn't until about two years ago that I really felt like I started living my passions. And right now I'm currently working on coming over hurdles and and steps to really keep following different passions and combine them all into one whole career, lifestyle, and success in my life. I love that. And I love that you mentioned that two years ago. So I want to ask you now, was there something specific that happened two years ago that just like propelled you into, okay, Sander, you actually have to start doing what you love? Or was it just a natural progression? Or how did you get to that specific point? I I mean, I always like to think that things happen for a reason in your life. So I was a part of a startup company and we were going to a technology show and it just so happened. And and I like being part of the startup company. I love the company, but I was already starting to feel like I didn't know if it was my place. So at the company, we ended up going to an influencer conference at the same time. Somehow it just was at the same time. And I just met so many people and I realized like my influence and my power. And before that, I didn't realize it. I was always so focused on amplifying my sister's messaging. And I love amplifying my sister's messaging. And I still do that today. My sister is the most inspiring person in my life and so inspiring to millions and millions of people across the globe. But at the same time, at that influencer conference, I realized the power of social media for me to also have influence. I recognized that, hey, listen, yes, my sister does identify as transgender and she's able to save lives, but I can save lives too as the brother of someone who identifies as LGBTQ+. And I was so scared of people hating on me for supporting her that I was always kind of not being the best ally I could be. And I realized that I needed to start sharing that side of my life because for almost every LGBTQ plus person, there's an LGBTQ plus sibling. And for every LGBTQ plus person, there's tons of friends and family members that don't have that role model to look up to. I mean, there obviously are some great influences and allies out there, but I wanted to be that person. And I wanted to start sharing even more of my life 
like my history in sports, like my motivation and positivity. And so at that influencer conference, I talked to these people and I found that empowerment in myself. And that was in Vegas. And so like when you say, oh, did it happen like as a natural progression? Yeah, kind of. I feel like I was there for a reason. At the same time, there was one that, that, that weekend and that pinpointing moment where I was like, I need to turn this on. And even at that event, I learned what TikTok was. And I didn't even make my TikTok for a year later. So it was different moments that empowered me to do that. And now a year later, I'm working on starting my marketing company focused on empowering people to share their story using the Power Short for video. And that's two years later, which I could have started it right then and there. So there's different things that are progressing me forward. So every single day, I feel like I'm getting empowered and becoming more impassioned or I don't know if impassioned is the right word, more passionate about the things that I love most. So yes, that one moment was, I feel like the real big turn switcher, but I feel like the clock and it just keeps ticking forward and I keep moving forward as a natural progression towards achieving my happiness, success. And obviously in this world, we need to make money somehow. And right now I'm still more focused on helping others. That will always be my number one goal. But if I could make a career out of helping others, I'd love nothing more. I have so many questions to so many things that you said. The first one, and I kind of want to touch up on, I think you were in a clubhouse room talking about this or you responded or you were at least there. What does influence mean to you? And does anyone get to have influence or do you have to be like a big superstar to have influence? Everyone has influence. Everyone has a story that they can share that will resonate with other people. I think we all think in today's day and age, like, oh, there's so there's, these are the TikTokers, these are the Instagrammers. I can't be that. Anyone could be that. Yes, you might not get 100,000 followers. You easily can. I can promise you, anyone can. If you just share your story of who you are and you're passionate about it and you stay consistent with it, anyone could have influence. Even if it's just influencing one person. When my family decided we were going to do a reality TV show, we decided it not because we wanted to be famous. My family doesn't want to be famous. We did it because we recognized that if we could change and save one life, it would be worth it. And we know today we've saved thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of lives. Why? Because we read our DMs and we see it. We get messages of it all the time. But yeah, anyone really does have influence if they want it, even if they don't want it. Some people have influence just inherently. They're just, just by speaking, they're influencing people. So yeah, anyone has influence. And what influence means today is the ability to create change and make a difference in someone else's life. That is amazing. That is amazing. And I feel, you know, the power in your words. Uh, Before we move on to the other questions, I want to follow up on that. So how do you actually find your message? Because I'm super passionate about this. I will not shut up about it. But how specifically would you recommend people find what their message is or lean into it? Like, if you could go back in time and, you know, change Sander a couple of years ago, what would you be able to tell him? Well, yeah, I think the number one thing is not listening to what other people say, not fearing the judgment of others, recognizing that your people are going to love and support you no matter what, if they truly are your people. So that's one thing I would say to someone. And in terms of actually finding your your empowerment is the word that I like to use and your passions. I actually just finished my empowerment guide related to the company that I'm, I'm creating where I say, list out 20 things, the things that you talk about most in your daily life, the things that you think about most in your daily life, even if you don't talk about them because maybe you're not empowered yet, maybe you don't feel comfortable, but things that you think about, talk about, 20 things, then bring that list down to seven things and then bring that list down to three things. And I'd have to look at, let me pull it up. So the empowerment guide, I, I forgot exactly what I said in it. Okay, it's right here, first thing. And it just relates to how you can narrow that stuff down. So... Talk about the things you do most in your life, 10 to 20 things. And then the second step is narrow that down. Rank them from least important to most important. One to five, seven if you need to. And then once you have that, try to see how you can combine those things into certain niches. And that's how you find your niche and your story and who you are. So for me, my top of my thing will always be family. Family will always come first. Number two would probably be helping others. And under helping others is the idea of positivity, motivation, And that's how I found what I wanted to talk about online, even though to me it's broad and it's not as niche as some people who are like, oh, I'm going to do fitness all the time. I can't do fitness all the time. Even though I make workout videos once a week, if I was doing fitness all the time, I wouldn't feel passionate about it because I have so many other things I love to do. But for some people, fitness is their life. And so you can focus just on that. That's where you kind of find your empowerment. So I created that empowerment guide. And I think anyone could find that empowerment by looking into what they talk about, what they love, and then narrowing it down. 
That is a great tip. And I 100% agree. You know, people keep talking about niche, the, the riches and the niches or something like that. If you know me, if you're listening, if you know me, you know, I always butcher phrases, but you kind of got what I was trying to say. The riches and the niches, right? Is I think that's how it goes. Yeah. I don't know if it's, I, I say niche, but I know some people say niches. So I think it's, I don't know, same thing. But one thing I will say is I do see a lot of creators and people who give up their authenticity for their brand and their their niche or niche. And that's cool. I mean, if you just want to monetize or you just want to spread this one message that is a part of you but doesn't tell the whole story of you, that's cool. But for me, I know I wouldn't find satisfaction in that. I find the satisfaction of being able to combine my niches to actually create change. And I know that's why people actually love and follow me. It's because I'm not just that dude dancing or I'm not that that shirtless dude or single dude. Yes, it's a part of what I do. But I somehow always find a way to tie it together. And that's what it relates to when I say at the bottom, you, you create that list, you bring that down to the least important to most important, then you combine them to figure out how can you actually create a change through each of the top of those, those lists. Yes, 100%. Okay, instead of going into have you always known what you wanted to do, I want to touch really briefly on your sister's story because you've mentioned a lot of stuff. You know, you've mentioned your reality TV, you've mentioned you being an LA and you being an activist. But I think for people that maybe might not know your family, might not know who Jazz is, can you briefly just tell us the backstory so that we can, you know, talk about the reality TV, how it's been for you guys and all of those other things that have come from it? For sure. First off, no, I didn't always know what I wanted to be. I thought I'd be in law school with my brother, but look where I am today. Maybe I'll go to law school soon. I took my LSAT, but we'll see. Anyways, TV show. So my sister Jazz was assigned male at birth, but she always knew she was a girl. At the age of two, she started expressing it, and she, she is and was a girl. At age five, she began her social transition, and she just continued. After that, she just started living as the woman that she knows she is and that she is. From there, we did some TV specials, Barbara Walters 2020, something in Australia. So we had some media exposure, but my family, like I said, didn't want to really be in the media. And we didn't know what that path looked like. We knew it would come with a lot of heat and struggles, especially on a topic like this. Finally, in 2015, we were approached by a couple networks and it ended up being TLC that we went with. It took a lot of time for us to really decide as a family, this is what we wanted to do. But like I said earlier, we knew we'd change a lot of lives. And so we began the TV show. A few years into the TV show, my sister had her gender confirmation surgery. She, throughout the time, she was going through a little bit of dating stuff. She went through some high school drama. She was going through the mental health stuff, the struggles, the gaining weight, everything. But she was also inspiring. She was doing a lot of advocacy and all this cool stuff. And we just continue to live our lives authentically and showcase our unconditional love. So the show is really about showcasing unconditional love and showing that, hey, transgender people exist, but that doesn't mean the family dynamic is any different. It still comes down to love. Also throughout this time, a lot of it, I was in college. And like I said, I was, I could use the phrase scaredy cat. I was a great ally on the show and I always supported my sister I would do anything to protect her. But on my social media, I wasn't very active. I wasn't the person I am today on social media. And partially that was because I just wanted to kind of stay under the radar in college. I didn't want people to hate me, judge me. I didn't want to get kicked out of bars. I didn't want to get bullied. By the end, my senior year, when I finally started increasing my advocacy, that stuff started happening, unfortunately. But, you know, I am proud of my whole family. And I'm proud that I now am taking the steps to be that advocate alongside my sister and my whole family, really taking steps forward to try to encourage everyone else and all allies to do the same. That's so inspiring to hear. Honestly, I will definitely have to go check out that show. Like I said, in Paris, I do not have cable TV because it's all in French. But now that I'm here, I'm going to take a chance to watch it because I've been obviously stalking you and researching a little bit about you. And with that, seeing everything that your sister is doing, and I definitely should check it out. But with that, you know, Right now, with everything that you know about transgender, about all the language and all of the things that you should say, how you should say those, was there a learning curve for you and your family, your sister included, to learning the terminology, you know, not, I guess, offending people in the transgender community? Or like, how was that whole part for you guys? Yeah. So when Jazz began her transition, I was eight years old, so I didn't even know what sexuality, gender, I still sometimes flub the terms and I'm still learning to this day. 
But as I got older, and like I said, within like the last two and a half, two to two and a half years is when I really started educating myself a lot, a lot more. But yes, there was a learning curve for us all, especially my grandparents. They at first weren't supportive. They didn't know how to deal with it because they grew up during a different time. I actually recently posted a really, really inspiring Instagram and TikTok that went kind of viral. That was like my grandma saying when my granddaughter came out as transgender, I didn't accept it. Then I listened, learned and loved, and she was able to be the best grandma. And now she's so supportive and an advocate as well. So it's super cool. There's a learning curve and there's still a learning curve for me each and every day. I now, instead of saying a transgender woman or transgender man, I try to say a person of trans experience in most cases. Obviously, for some people, they don't mind it because they are like, oh, I don't mind being called a trans woman, trans man. But for me, I want to be the most inclusive. So I say person of trans experience. And if someone corrects me and says, you could say this in that instance, I will. Because it's the most inclusive. That's why I say I learned the difference between a brave space and a safe space recently. Brave space goes beyond a safe space. It talks about actually advocating. I learned performative allyship versus authentic allyship. And I recognized that when I was younger and when the TV show first started, I was like, I want to be famous. Like, yeah, because I mean, yeah, you're like, oh, I'm going to be on a TV show. And now I realize today I don't want to be famous. That's performative. I just want to create a great positive message. So that's what I'm doing. So I learned the difference between those two things. Every day I'm learning different things. I'm always trying to educate myself. And anyone trying to be an ally needs to recognize that and also know that love is greater than understanding. So if you are kind of hitting this or if you are in this new situation where someone you love or someone you know just comes out as transgender or LGBTQ+, you're not going to understand everything at first. But your number one step is spreading that love. The understanding will come next. Yeah, it's so powerful. And I think it's a good message to have because I know a lot of people might be afraid not just to say something, but just to say the wrong thing. So I think sometimes some people might just stay quiet because they're like, oh my God, what if I offend someone by saying this? Like, is it the right way to say? So obviously it's not your job or anyone's job to educate. What resources or what places would you recommend people go look at or how can someone, you know, educate themselves if they want to learn to be more inclusive and an ally? And then my follow-up question, I'll say it after you answer this, but it's, you know, related to it. Yeah. So you could follow, there's a lot of very great organizations like the Trevor Project, GLAD, Human Rights Campaign, ACLU is more on the law side of things, so you can stay educated on all the hate, and so you could advocate for the LGBTQ plus community. There's also a lot of pages. I have a lot of friends. You could go through my page, and you could find any person that I've tagged in any of my LGBTQ plus related videos, and go f- check those pages out because they're all doing amazing education. My friend Skyler, my friend Corey, my friend Peppermint, my sister Jazz. There's so many people doing tons of great education. So go check out my page. And that's the best way I think you could kind of funnel onto their pages. A lot of them are on my reels. So that's what I'd encourage people to do if anyone's looking for resources of people. And then pages, go follow the big organizations, the LGBT page, the LGBTQ page, and all those other organizations I mentioned before. Yes. And everyone that is listening, the link will be in the description. So all you have to do is literally click on it or look for his Instagram handle. With that... A question around terms. Is there a difference between being an advocate and an ally? Or for you, does that equal the same thing? So I've actually been listening on Clubhouse in a lot of rooms and trying to educate myself on the terms. A lot of people actually take offense to the term ally because they're like, oh, do you need a term to be included within our community? And they're like, do you have receipts to back up being an ally? And I agree with it. Then advocates, like you're actually going out of your way to advocate. For me, I feel like all the terms kind of work just because I am doing and completing allyship each and every day and each and every week. Right now, by talking about this and this podcast will be released, I'm being an ally slash advocate slash accomplish, accomplice slash there's other words too that I've heard recently. So yes, those are there are differences, but for me, I kind of use any of them just because I do feel like I have put in the work and I am constantly showcasing my support. So if someone is trying to figure out the distinction between ally versus advocate, I would say that if you are being an ally 365 days a year, then you are an advocate as well, as long as you are actually showcasing that on your social media and advocating in your personal life when you're speaking to people. Now, you can be an ally and just be supportive of the people in your family without 
always talking about it, but I feel like allyship is active and it requires not being silent. So I think they're kind of one and the same. If you really want to be a good ally, you need to be an advocate as well. And a last question before we move on to like, what do you want to accomplish? Everything that amazing things that you're doing, is it enough for someone to just hold space for people to tell their stories? Or do you think to call yourself an ally advocate, whatever word you want to use um, correctly, what should someone be doing to actively consider themselves a supporter in this case? I think holding space for people within the LGBTQ plus community is very important. And that is a step towards being a really good ally. But I really do think allyship is not something where you just create space for people one time and you say that you support it. It needs to be like you are actually advocating. So number one, as an ally, you need to be advocating. When you hear someone say anything, even if an LGBTQ plus person isn't there, you're advocating for them. You're educating yourself without waiting for someone to educate you. You're actually going out of your way to learn different things. You're spreading that unconditional love each and every day to anyone that you know that identifies as LGBTQ+. And I think if you really want to be an amazing ally, you're amplifying, you're sharing the messages of people, you're talking about the anti-trans bills, you're doing all that type of stuff because you need to be a well-rounded ally if you really want to be able to call yourself an ally. But yes, obviously you can call yourself an ally if you want to, but if people are like, how are you an ally? You posted one picture supporting us. Where's your receipts? One time in the clubhouse room, I was called out, but they didn't look at my social media. And later on, they apologized. They were like, you have the receipts. You're doing it. You're doing the work every single day. I see it now. But I think they took it as like someone calling themselves an ally. No, I can, you probably aren't an ally. No. But then they saw and they're like, okay, Sander. And they were like, I actually know who you are. I was like, Thank you. There's multiple people. So yeah. And it's also that you don't need that that recognition. Like I don't need anyone to tell me I'm a good ally. I feel good about what I'm doing. I don't want anyone to tell me I'm a good ally. I don't need praise. I don't want praise. All I want to do is continue doing the work. And as an ally, that's what you got to recognize. Recognize the work that's come before you. Amplify their messages. Do your part. And don't expect any reward. Yeah, that's so powerful. With that, before I move on to you know what you're doing and what you want to accomplish and all the amazing things... What has been your favorite thing or part of the whole process of you stepping into yourself, becoming an advocate, truly, you know, supporting people's messages and all of those things? Because I know you say praise doesn't matter, but has there been one specific moment or something that you remember that it was like, wow, this was so worth it? Like, oh my God, it makes me feel so good that I actually helped someone. Like, can you remember any specific moment that just made it all worthwhile for you? Well, one moment that actually didn't relate to the advocacy portion of my social media and what I do, but related to my like motivation and workout stuff was I've obviously been using Instagram for a really long time and I've helped people go viral, but I had never gone viral before. And I had a workout video get 20 million views and I gained 30,000 followers when I wasn't growing very much. And it was just like an, an amazing kickstart that really made me feel good. And I got the most hate on that post. So people were making me feel really, really bad. But I felt so good and empowered because I was like, so many people are seeing this workout video and it's helping so many people. And that was a moment where I finally did something. And I I say in quotes, defeated the Instagram algorithm for a time. So that was a great moment. Otherwise, just the messages I get in my DMs of people and the comments I sometimes get on my posts truly make me feel good. My followers are my friends. Even if I don't know them personally, I used to answer DMs, hundreds of DMs a week. I couldn't keep up with it anymore, but yeah, those were some of the things that made me feel the best in my life. That's amazing. I think, you know, you're right. Even if recognition doesn't matter, just hearing how you change someone's life by saying something, by doing something, or just by being there, not necessarily makes it worthwhile, but it just makes you feel like, wow, you know, my words matter and like what I'm doing actually makes a difference. Because I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like sometimes if you don't actually see that it's changing or making a difference, you can kind of lose a little bit of hope, which again, is not the purpose of it, but still it's nice to hear like, wow, it's making a meaning. It's making a difference, right? Yeah. When people that I'm close to are often will say like, Sander, you you just want followers. You care so much about followers and likes. And I've explained and I continue to explain time and time again, it's not about followers and likes. It's about influence. When I gain a follower, I get new followers or I get new, uh, a post that gets a lot of likes. I'm proud of it not because, oh, I have those 
I got followers, it's because, oh, I now can influence those people with my messaging even more. Yes. Yes. I love that definition because it is so true. It's not about the likes, but it's more about what the amplitude of voices can make, right? If one person sees it, that's amazing. But if you can get 100,000 people to see it, that means that you can make a difference or you can make them, you know, think about something differently, or maybe they'll advocate for someone or maybe they'll like put their little grain of salt, right? Which brings me to my next question. I think you mentioned about haters. How do you deal with haters and how do you not let that bring you down with your motivational aspect and advocate aspect? So haters, haters yes. are my motivators. Uh, I don't let hate get to me anymore. It really can't bring me down. The only thing that does ever bring me down is when I see people hating on my family. That can get to me sometimes, but the hate directly at me very rarely hits me. And I can give an example. The other night, so I recently created a public Snapchat and someone said, you don't care about the trans community. You aren't. You're in it for followers, likes, and it's you're just you're not in it for anything good. So I decided for the first time ever, I was going to give a maybe second time ever, I was going to give an in depth response. I don't even know if they've read it, but I wanted to do it because I was hurt by the fact that someone would say that because I was like, I'm so confident that I disagree with this. So I sent him a whole thing, and it was a week after I just done so much stuff for Trans Day of Visibility, and I've been doing so much great advocacy work that I'm really proud of that people don't even know I did. But I did it for my own good. So internally, just like someone was kind of got to me a little bit and like burst my bubble of like, hey, no one knows I did this stuff, but I know what I did and I did so much great stuff. And then someone was like, you suck. And I'm like, okay, let me tell you why I don't suck. And I sent a whole long paragraph about the hours and hours and hours of advocacy work I did in that one week period to show them that, hey, you could say all you want about me thinking that I just want followers and all this stuff. But I promise you, I care about you, even though you are saying this stuff about me. I care about you. I care about your community, and I want to help you. I hope that you never feel this way again, and I hope that you understand now. That's what I said. But I don't know if that was a hate. I, I would consider that a hater. But most haters are coming from a place of hate, or they're coming from a place of hurt. And I feel like I'm always coming from a place of love, so that's how I don't let haters get to me. In a short, mm. sweet answer. I like that view. And I think it's also very important, like you said, to acknowledge haters, because sometimes like they say, hurt people hurt people, right? So maybe it's not necessarily directed at you. It's a frustration at them or something that they're unhappy with in their life. So I feel like that is really important. You also mentioned about virality and off the record when we were speaking, you were like, oh, I'm going to save all of this, you know, what I'm going to do and all of those things for the podcast. So how did you get started on TikTok? What are your tips? You know, give us all the dish, all the tips and tricks. What is it that you actually do to grow your TikTok? How do you find content? How do you get inspired? All of the things. Yeah. So like I said, there was a moment where I kind of shifted with my social media mindset. And that was the two years ago. And I didn't have a TikTok back then. I had an Instagram, 55,000 followers. And I decided, okay, I'm going to start sharing who I am. I knew who I was mostly. So I started sharing it and I started growing. I got up to like 120,000 followers by the time I finally decided to make my TikTok. And on TikTok, I made a promise to myself. I think I started it in February. It started slow. So I started my TikTok in that December. I posted a few videos a month, maybe like a few videos a week even. Nothing too crazy. I didn't really try to even come up with any strategy. I just started doing it. And I was like, wait a second. I'm getting my master's in digital strategy. Let's come up with an actual strategy. I didn't actually realize what my strategy actually was. The one strategy I decided was I was going to be consistent. And so I started being consistent. And the moment I started being consistent was the moment I started growing. Started growing 5,000 followers a week, 10,000 followers a week. Even some weeks, the most I gained was 70,000 followers in a week on TikTok. And through that, I learned what strategy I was actually implementing it. And now I wrote all that down and I want to teach people on it because it's all about different things. I was empowered, but I didn't know what I wanted to talk about. And if I had, I might've grown a lot faster, a lot sooner. Some of this, there's tons and tons of strategies I use related to length of video. There's strategies related to how you should edit videos based on angles. I'm sitting in a spot right now where I did five different angles telling one story and it has 600,000 likes and 3.8 million views. And I know it right from this wall, just from like a bunch of different things. So yeah, I teach it now. Um, I have some people that I've sent my initial product, which is a growth guide. And now I have seven other guides that I've created I haven't released yet. Um, I'm going to work on creating a digital course. 
And then I'm also create digital strategies for people who maybe don't want a course, but just want someone who consults with them with their strategy. And then I'm also work as uh, the marketing consultant for a couple of companies. And that's where what I'm kind of doing for a living right now. So it's super cool. TikTok growth and then applying it to reels and creating cross-platform synergy. There's so many different things. And if I started going into it, this podcast would be hours, hours long. And that's why I'm making a course about it. There's so many different strategies and tips, but the first one I will tell anyone is first, find your empowerment. Second, do your research. Third, start implementing your strategies. How I find my content and stay up to it with it is I have the buckets of my things that I love, my niches, and I continue to create content here and there. I look what works. I try to do it in a different way. Um, I just want to showcase myself and be authentic. So that's what I do. Okay, I'm going to take a second here and take advantage that I have you on here and ask you a very general question, but very particular to my story too. (laughs) Obviously, from hearing you and every single amazing person on Clubhouse, I have finally decided to get back on TikTok. I have to say I leaned into it from the fact of I just want to go viral at the beginning. Didn't happen. And, you know, I know now that the algorithm, you know, I was living in France. So obviously my content's in English. It doesn't favor it over there. And you have to get through like the first ring and like the whole thing. I had a friend explain it to me and I stopped doing it because I was like, oh, this is not worth it. So for someone that you can say is a complete beginner at TikTok, A, do you need to have video editing skills or can you just wing it? And B, what is the one, one thing, like the one comment you can give that is going to change your life if you implement it, if you do it? Go. No, you do not have to have video editing skills. What you have to do is have storytelling skills. Like you need to, you need to know what it is you want to share, whether that is make a workout video and do five workouts and do them two seconds each because you know you want to keep it short so people don't check out or you're telling a long winded story, but you need to figure out how to put the most engaging stuff in the beginning so people stick around. So it doesn't have to do with editing skills. You don't have to be a good editor. I don't add any cool edits. All I do is put it together in a nice story and flow that makes sense and that people can resonate with. So that's what you really need to do is keep it as you being your like your most authentic version of yourself and be engaging with it all. People can tell if you're passionate about it. If you're passionate about it and you keep it short and sweet and you get it out without rambling on, they're going to be a-okay. But yes, it does take time. And that's where, like I just said, I mean, the number one tip really to give always is consistency, but that's kind of cliche. That's what everyone says is consistency. Let me pull up. And it's funny because I literally say that as well. You know, like people ask me for podcasts and I'm like, just be consistent. But when it comes to implementing your own advice, I think sometimes it's harder to accept it. So I'm like, God damn it. I know it's consistency, but like, really? <laughs> yep. So I'm looking at my 10 TikTok tips guide right here. And I'm trying to see if there's anything besides, like there's obviously other things besides consistency, but consistency, engagement, and authenticity are my three big three things. Consistency, authenticity, and engaging. But other things is like, engage with people in the community as well. Don't just worry about your own page and getting comments and likes. Go comment on other people's pages. They're going to go return that stuff. Create that loyal fan base. If you actually love it, that's what you'll do. If you're just trying to go viral, you might not go viral because people are going to be able to tell that you don't, you're not actually authentic in what you're doing. So that's what they say, right? You can't chase virality. And sometimes it's an accident, right? Like you just create something that you loved and boom with that before we move on to next topic. So is there any possible way where consistency is not rewarded? And I know this is a weird phrase, this is a weird way of phrasing it. But as an example, you know, we know Tiags, you know, we've, he's done like 700 videos and that phrase still sticks to my mind. You know, he did 700 until he was successful. Is there any way in which you just create, 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 and it never happens to you? Or is it, it just happens one day because you were consistent, you learned some it, you learned from it and you were good. I think this is more of like an empowerment thing, right? You know, like yeah, if people it, stick to it, is it going to eventually be worth it? Yeah, if you aren't just posting one minute videos over and over and over and doing things that completely go against the algorithm, if you're posting on a minute long video every single day talking about the same thing, yeah, there's a chance it might never go anywhere. You need to be consistent, but you also need to be somewhat strategic. So there is instances where it doesn't work out for you, but like if you go for a whole year and you don't see anything happen, then you definitely did something wrong. You did it wasn't because like it was because you didn't follow anything on any like TikTok guide 101s that you would see or anything that people are telling you. You're just like doing things sporadically. But like if you have these 
You create the empowerment, like I said, and you create your niches. You can have a few at first. You might want to narrow it down as time goes on. And you figure out different ways to tell that story. So on one, you're not speaking, but you're going with the sound and you're putting, you're pointing and you're doing words. Another one, you're just speaking. Another one, you're speaking about those same things, but you bring it from 25 seconds down to 12 seconds. So you cut it in half. Then maybe it goes, the 12 second one works. So you try to do a minute one, but then it doesn't work. So you try a 15 second one. You find that balance and you just keep telling the same stuff you want to tell in different ways and with different kind of pitches of it. Eventually, yes. I believe everyone could go viral. Um, Like if you're, filming and you're showing just your nose or stuff like that, you can't expect anything. But if you're trying and you're putting passion behind it and you actually have a story to share, which everyone does, I think anyone with consistency can do it. And that's why I am creating this company, Digi Empower, focusing on powering emerging creators and small businesses to use the power of short form video to grow their own digital empires. And I wouldn't be creating it if I didn't think everyone could do it. I wouldn't be trying to sell it to people if I didn't think everyone could do it, because then I would be giving people stuff that doesn't provide the value. Mm-hmm. Well, I think everyone can have value in learning the tips because if you have the tips, then yes, I think anyone could do it with some consistency. Basically, you guys, be consistent, but also be willing to experiment and learn from what you're doing is what I got from what Sandra just said. And following up with your business, two questions. First one is, are you taking clients already? If people listen to this eventually when this is out, can they just reach out to you? Can they be like, Sandra, I need your help. Yeah, I want that course. Or what's the process? Are you just kind of like still creating it? Yeah, so I'm definitely still creating it. But by the time this comes out, hopefully it'll be launched. There's some things on the back end that I can't really announce that like are somewhat affecting the timeline because I want to make sure that I don't overwork myself. I know like, oh, everyone's like, don't take a day off, keep going. And yeah, that's how you're going to be successful. I'm 23. I've been in school for so long. This is like my time. I, I, and I'm doing decent with making some money. So like, I don't want to burn out. And I also don't want to like, like lose my whole, this time in my life just because I'm working like a dog every single day. So like this weekend, I might be going to Gainesville to go visit my brother and have some fun, which I thought I couldn't do, but I was like, you know what? Maybe I need it. But hopefully it'll be launched by the time this launches and there will be, I'll have a website, I'll have an entire uh, funnel, sales funnel, I'll hopefully have a social media that people can follow. But to really find these updates, you'll want to go check out my TikTok and Instagram where you could do it and you'll be able to see, hey, maybe I'll still be doing DM me growth if you want to grow. But yes, I definitely would love anyone to join in and ask me for the guides or the course or if you're really trying to have a full strategy I will be taking on clients this week. I actually got new clients and I'm not taking on too, too many at this very moment in time, just because I'm trying to grow the actual business and get it up and running. But like, I still want to be making money while I'm doing it. So I do have some clients and I'm always open to taking on clients that I think will help me learn so that when I do launch it, uh, I have some people that I kind of beta tested and made sure it worked. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, whenever you have that course ready, please let me know because as I told you, I am a whole TikTok newbie and I would definitely love to start taking it seriously because I see the potential and it's also a fun app. So, you know, just putting it out there. Benefit from my, right now I have a, so I have free guides, which if you want any of the free guides, cool, let me know. But I do have a $20 guide that has like basically all the free guides in one plus extra stuff. And that guide is like, like I said, if you follow that guide and consistency is a part of the guide, obviously, so it's in it. I think if you actually follow it and I'd love for you actually to, to get it because I'd love to see what you could do with it. You'd be a part of like, oh, I'm, test. I'm only selling it to the first hundred people. I'm almost up to 50 people now and I'm not really actively. I haven't, I've only been telling people by talking to them and then they tell me they want it. But yeah. That's the first Well, thing. I will definitely love to be number 51 because I definitely need to take my shit seriously nowadays. You know, I've been experimenting with different platforms, specifically Clubhouse, and I see the possibilities. So I'm like, okay, Sabrina, get your shit together. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Instagram is not the one-all be-all. So I'm definitely going to be, you know, sending you so a message afterwards. This not just TikTok. This is a full growth guide for all platforms. Okay, so, sign me up. Like, so I'm sold. You're gonna grow. <laughs> Take my money, Sander. Grow from on TikTok and hopefully Instagram from it, combining these platforms. Yeah, I think you'd benefit strongly from it, and I'd love to be have a part of like the beta tester people. Sign me up, literally. Yeah, or this after this out, is done, it, when this comes out, that growth guide may no longer be available because it might just be for those first people. But I should have a course. The prices might be higher. The prices might be lower. I'm gonna be. I'm feeling it all out right now. 
but I should have a website and a full like uh, funnel and ways to access me back by then. So definitely go follow my social medias to learn more if you're actually interested. Yes. And you guys, by then, hopefully I will have taken this guide, used it and can actually come back with results and, you know, testimonials that I can push Sander and be like, yo, everybody needs to, you know, hire him or get his course or whatever. So I have two questions for you and then we'll go into the rapid fire round of questions. So one, I know entrepreneurship in this sense of like you creating your agency or business or whatever it is, is completely new to you. How has it been for you? What's like the one thing that's been the hardest? throughout this whole experience the hardest part throughout the whole experience is still wanting to experience like being a a 23 year old obviously when my friend hits me up and says hey let's go play pickleball or let's go to the beach or let's do this and I'm I'm on my own time right now I'm self-motivating myself and I'm good at it I I have a lot of discipline and I'm proud of my progress I've made so far some days I'm just like "Ah." today was actually one of those days where it's just like oh I don't know how hard I could work on this company today and it's like I need to get it done. I need to get done. I need to get out there. But then I remember like I'm 23 and yes, I might be losing some sales. And yes, every day I wait, it's me waiting. And sometimes I'm hard on myself because of that. So that's another struggle. But at the same time, sometimes I just need to sit back and relax. And for everyone, don't always be so hard on yourself, especially if you're younger. I mean, even if you're a little bit older, like don't be so hard on yourself. Live your life to the fullest. Don't give up your other loves for one love. Stick to everything you love. So The hardest part has been that self-motivation and the distraction of others. Oh my God, I can 100% relate to that. And people that listen to me know the struggle I've been through the past year. So I'm actually going to give you one tip and it's never say you need to do something. And this was a very hard lesson for me. Never say you need to do something because once you do that, you just put negative energy into it, but rather change it to, you know, I get to do this or I can do this or I can choose to do it. Yeah. Once I started doing that, my life changed. Yeah, I actually just learned that a couple of weeks ago. I have to versus I get to. So it's the same thing. It's okay. such a hard change. Oh my God. I have to, same thing. That's what I've been kind of doing lately. I mean, with that vibe, like, uh, yeah. I get to do this stuff. It's hard though. I like, I can agree with you. Sometimes I still catch myself and I'm like, God damn it. I don't need to do this. I get to, you can do it, Sabrina. But you know, learning curve with everything, specifically entrepreneurship. So my last question to you, and it's one that I asked all of my guests because I just love to hear what everyone has to say, is I'm pretty sure at one point or another in your life, you felt like you were alone or misunderstood. Now, this could have been a situation. It could have been just a thought that crossed your mind or a feeling. Can you tell us what that was and also what you would tell other people that might be feeling the same thing or a similar thing? So a time that I felt misunderstood. Or alone, yeah. It could be life, it could be business, it could be romance, it could be literally whatever you want. I've had all shapes, forms, and colors of answers on this, but I just, I feel like it lets people get to know the real you in a sense. Yeah, I'm kind of an open book and I'm trying to think like a time I, so I like to say the phrase, I like to make a distinction between the word lonely and alone. So I think I've been alone, but I'm never truly alone. That's lonely. Lonely is being like, where you're like, you feel sorry for yourself. And I, I mean, I guess the moment in my life that I definitely was at my lowest point was when I tore my ACL senior year. I was a huge athlete and I tore my ACL and it kind of took away sports. And I definitely felt like my world came crashing and sports were like 50% of my life. So it was like, I thought, oh man, my life's over. I can't play sports anymore. Beauty was I had college right around the corner. And so I guess what I learned should I talk about this learning experience or just like? Yeah, yeah. So you can say like what that was and then what you would tell other people, kind of like your learning of how if anyone else might be in the same situation where they had an accident or whatever and they feel like, oh my God, my life is over. I can't do this. Like what that taught you. Yeah, what it taught me was that I have so much more to me than just one big part of my life. And when you lose something in your life that is a huge part or something hold is, is stopping you from continuing forward, on some path or journey, there's still going to be another path. You just need to figure it out and find it. For me, it took me definitely some time to find it and figure it out. And now today I still play sports. Actually, my knee's hurting a little today because I played seven hours of sports yesterday on a Tuesday. That's the amount of time I spent on clubhouse. I feel bad about myself now. (laughs) I I was supporting my old tennis team and I ended up just sticking around and then play pickleball after. So, 
I still have sports in my life and I work out every day. So I still have it. So I adapted. So adapt, find new paths whenever you find a kind of reach a roadblock because there will be roadblocks. But then sometimes you could jump over those hurdles and roadblocks. So for me, I mean, I don't look at it. I look at it as like I found a new path by jumping over a hurdle type of thing. But yeah, when I tore my ACL, I was definitely in my lowest place. I learned what anxiety was, learned what depression was at that moment in time. But I figured it out. And today I, I look at it as the greatest, worst thing to ever happen to me. I literally resonate with that so much, not as an athlete, but because I had an accident similar and I also it changed my life. So yes, I agree with every single thing that you said. And it's all about finding different paths in life. There's so many more questions I would love to ask you, but we're going to move on to the final segment, which is the rapid fire round of questions and then close up the interview because I don't want to stand here and talk for hours on end. I'm not entirely sure anyone would listen, even though I could potentially talk for hours. Are you ready for the rapid fire round? Hit me with the rapid fire round. Okay. If you could have anyone over for dinner, dead or alive, who would that be? It could be a character, a person. I like that. Okay. COVID and money aside, right now, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you be? Hawaii. Oh, I'm, I'm dreaming about going to the beach. Superpower of choice, if you could pick one. Teleportation. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, favorite ice cream flavor? Birthday cake. <laughs> Birthday cake's a good one. Are you a night owl or a morning, early morning person? Neither. I you have to pick one. a reasonable time and I wake up at a reasonable time. I'm a time manager. That's my answer. Okay. Okay. Well, you're the first person to ever say that. <laughs> what word would describe you? Empathetic. Ooh. Something that you still want to accomplish in your life. Finding love. Oh, I love that. I resonate with that. Books or movies? Movies, but I wish it was books. <laughs> That's the first one I've heard as well. Okay, and last one. Who inspires you? Everyone inspires me. Okay. Every person in my life inspires me because we all are on our own path and journey. Like I've said, everyone has their story, and I think everyone is inspiring. So everyone that I've ever encountered has touched my life in some way, even if it was a simple high back in the DMs. They've touched me because, hey, maybe they had the courage to DM me or – Maybe they were struggling and they're going through some stuff. And even if I don't know how they inspired me, they did. So everyone, including the listeners of this podcast, have inspired me. Well, I hope everyone learned something from this and they get inspired by you to maybe not necessarily become advocates, but take a step towards that direction or, you know, just you having touched their lives in a way. I'm sure they will because this has been so enlightening, inspiring, and just filled with knowledge and you will be damn sure that I will be reaching out to you. Like after we finish this, I will definitely ask you about that guide because I'm ready to take TikTok seriously. And I will also make moves in being more vocal about things. I feel like just sitting here and listening to stuff that you said, there could be more that I could be doing. So I'm definitely going to find ways to do that. And with that, Sander, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming and sharing everything so openly and candidly and just being such an inspiring person. And if you are interested in learning more, following Xander or, you know, just like you said, friendly DM or whatever it is, the link to both his Instagram and TikTok will be in the description. So all you have to do is check that out and go there. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review. It helps a lot with people finding it. And if you want to stay up to date with everything that I do, you can follow follow me on Instagram at that girl, Sabrina. Yes, that is my handle at that girl, Sabrina. And I will see you guys next time. Sander, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Peace out, everybody.